I always watch the uh, silent singers and think, boy, I can't wait till we get on that other stage up there and the lights all go out in the auditorium and the spotlight's on and all of that. And that's going to look great again. I'm looking forward to that again. And uh, yeah, wow. Well, let's all s- sit and turn <laughs> to the book of Psalm, chapter 127. Psalm chapter 127. You thought I was going to say stand, and so did I for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Psalm 127 tonight. We're going to move quickly this evening and get to our meeting, of course. But I just want to share this thought with you today. I had originally planned on ending the series that we began on Christ, but this morning in the message, we kind of touched on the whole lesson for tonight, really, in one sense. We were going to talk about the return of Christ. And we touched on that this morning, so much so that I felt like it'd be pretty redundant tonight. And so I went ahead and um, developed a a lesson or a message I've been working on and kind of had sitting around. It's actually been sitting up on my screen. I've never saved it, probably for about three months now. And uh, it just kind of sat there. And every time something would go wrong, it'd say, you know, recovered, recovered, recovered. I don't know if you know anything what I'm talking about. But we're going to go ahead and use it, and I'll save it tonight and put it in with all the rest of them that I save. And uh, we're going to talk today or tonight about a happy home, a happy home. And so I want to turn to Psalm 127, and I trust you're there already. And we're going to read the first three verses to kind of kick things off. Um, And then we're just going to note a few principles along the way. And uh, a happy home. It says, except the Lord build the house... They labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. You know, as we consider a happy home, there's no doubt that we can't help but realize that uh, it all is relative or based upon our relationship and our walk with God. Well, we know that. We understand that. Tonight, I, I want to share, though, some things with you about just some principles. I, I want to talk to you about a happy home and some things that we need to do. I mean, if you, if you long for a happy home, if you desire a happy home, if it's a happy home you seek, then there's, you're gonna, you must do some things. And um, tonight, I'm going to give you five things that you need to do if you want to have a happy home. And um, I, think that, I think there'll be a help to you, and uh, I think there'll be a blessing. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. And Lord, I'm asking that you'd calm our hearts and help us, Lord, just to focus on you and your word. And Father, to truly have a heart to be the best we can be for you. And Lord, we know that there's much to be accomplished yet tonight, but Lord, we're really here for one reason, and that's to honor you, to magnify you, to glorify you. And we do that by listening well and heeding your word and ultimately applying it to our life, Lord, in a way that will reflect you positively. Help us, Lord, tonight. We need happy homes. And Lord, um, I know there's not a person here that doesn't want that. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us now to consider these simple thoughts. And maybe it's, there are things that people have already said, oh, I already know all about that. 
Lord, I do pray that if we know about it, that we're applying the truth. And Lord, if not, then may we do a better job of it. Even if we are, we do a better job of it. Now bless us and help us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Now, if we're going to have a happy home, there's some things we must do. Number one, we must love. We've got to love. And I know somebody says, oh, yeah, we got that one figured out. Okay. You know, love's foundational, isn't it? Uh, whether it's a marriage or whether it's between parents and children, whether it's the home in general, whether it's a church or whether it's a community, love is so foundational, so important. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, the Bible says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity. The word charity, of course, uh, meaning love. And uh, again, there's a reason why it's charity in the Bible, but I don't know about you, but I grow a little weary of faith, hope, and love and all these little signs. I, and again, if you've got that, please don't miss it. You know, that's it's your business. But the Bible says charity. I sure wish that some bookstores would carry something that said faith, hope, and charity. But nonetheless, now abide, uh, abide a faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. And again, we understand that to be love. We understand, uh, you know, that... Uh, that's so valuable, so important. There was a husband and a wife that visited an orphanage where they had hoped to adopt a child. And there at the orphanage, the parents were permitted to interview the child. The child was permitted to ask questions and so forth. And in an interview with a particular boy that they had wanted, they told him in very glowing terms about the many things that they could give him. And to their amazement, the little fellow just simply said, well, if you have nothing to offer except a good home, clothes, toys, and other things most kids have, why? I'd just as soon stay here. And, of course, they couldn't understand. They were like, what in the world? You know, you know, what, 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 you know what could you mean? I mean, what do you want besides those things? The wife finally asked. Well, I just want someone to love me. And there you have it. I mean, there you have it. Even a little boy knows that man shall not live by bread alone. It's not enough just to have the things of this world. We, we, need, we need love. I mean, that's so important. It's so valuable in a home. And, you know, every one of us, every last one of us have this intense and insatiable desire to be loved and nurtured. That's a reality. That's just how we're created. And that need to be loved, as a number of experiments through the years have shown, could be considered one of the most basic fundamental needs that a human being has. One of the forms that the need to be loved takes is what they call contact comfort. Contact comfort. What that is basically is it's the desire to be held and touched. Well, findings have shown that babies who are deprived of contact comfort, particularly those that have been deprived of it during their first six months after they've been born, they grow up to be psychologically damaged. Someone says that's ridiculous, but it's been proven. Acts of love and kindness as well promote happiness. They just do. I mean, it appears that even small acts of kindness generate just as much happiness as do major acts. There was an interesting set of studies that was done, and participants were either given $5 or 20 as part of the experiment. Participants in both groups were then asked to either spend the money on themselves or on others. Those who spent the money on others, it turned out, grew happier than those who 
spend it on themselves. And even more interestingly, it was interesting to note the amount of money spent on others didn't make a difference to ha- the happiness levels. So if you were given five and you spent five on others, you was just as happy as the guy who was given 20 and spent 20. So it's not how big the act is or how expensive it was for you to perform, but when we express kindness and we, we express love to other people, it makes us happy. If it's a happy home that you really want, then you're going to have to express love. You're going to have to demonstrate love. And I know that everyone has a definition of what love is, and this is where it gets very difficult. You know, love isn't necessarily just hugging and holding. I've had people say to me before, they said, you know, well, my parents never said I love you much, and if they said it, it wasn't that often. And, but hold on. Uh, I've also known those same people when asked to say, did you feel loved? They said, oh, yeah, I knew my dad loved me. He just didn't tell me all the time. Now, listen to what I'm trying to tell you. The culture and the world will tell you what love is. They'll try to tell you what you have to have to feel loved. Let me tell you something. The real issue is that we feel loved. Now, this contact, this, this contact comfort is important. We do need touched and felt. I mean, wives do need hugged and held, and husbands do need uh, someone to, to shower them with praise and to do those things that are done. And I understand all that stuff, and we could go into all that mess. But the reality is, is that love is, is a little bit, we, we have our own definitions. And I want to encourage you to identify how God loved you. To understand how God loved people and how God loved the world. And, you know, when the Bible talks about a husband loving a wife, he describes it in Ephesians chapter 5. So often we grow up with this idea of what love is. And so we think we know what love is. But I'm going to tell you something. I think God has a better definition of love than you or I do. I just want to encourage you in your home. When we start talking about love in a home, you and I need to really dig into the Word of God and understand what biblical love is. And that's the love we need to demonstrate and show in our homes. And again, and it involves and includes sharing thoughts and sharing words. And it involves and includes hugging and holding and, and, and caring for one another. There's no doubt about that. That's true. But let me tell you something, and, and I'm just going to say it. It's hard for a husband to say he loves his family when he won't provide for them. It's hard for a mom to say, I love our kids, but you're always screaming and yelling at them constantly. I mean, we can talk about loving, but the reality is, is that unless our children, unless our husbands and wives and spouses feel loved, then let me tell you something, it don't mean anything. And it doesn't matter whether you think you're loving someone. If they don't feel loved by you, then they aren't loved. Our homes need love today. And that's why I say you better make sure and I better make sure that we're loving people the way God loved. Because when it's all said and done, we want to put our head on the pillow at night and know we did it His way. And whatever goes down, goes down. But we live in a world where love has been misunderstood and misconstrued and it's a mess. But if you want a happy home, there has to be love shown. And we don't have time to describe and express what that all is, but I want to encourage you to turn to the Bible and understand it. Not only that, but as we move along, I think some of the things we're going to talk about will help us to understand what true loving someone really does mean. Number one, love. You want a happy home, we must not only love, but we must listen. We must listen. The greatest part of communication is listening. Now, 
I have a, a terrible habit at times. I, I, I have this bad habit. And I, I think it's probably worse with my wife than anybody else. I have a tendency to want to finish her sentences. The other day, I just noticed it the other day. I mean, more than ever, I noticed it just the other day. She was talking to me about something, and, I, and she would start talking, and I'd go, boom, boom, boom. She's like, boom, boom, boom. And we were right, I mean, we were right on. I mean, we're right on, you know what I mean? The only problem is, she, I don't know that she finished a sentence there for a while. And that wasn't her fault, that was my fault. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something. I was not listening. I wasn't listening. Not at all. And you know what? We have to be very careful with that. See, when I listen to you or you listen to me, when we truly let people finish their thoughts and finish their idea and finish their saying and let them finish what, they're, they're, you know, what they've been trying to speak or share with us, what we're really saying is you are valued by me. I mean, you are important to me. I listen to you. I mean, what we're really saying is your view, your insight, your outlook is appreciated and needed. But then again, on the other hand, if we don't listen to people, then we're telling them the opposite thing. In James chapter 1, verse 19, turn there if you would, a tremendous passage. And, and I know that the passage is rarely, if ever, used the way I'm going to use it today, but I believe it applies here. In the book of James chapter 1, verse 19, notice what the Bible says. We're certainly quick to use this with anger management. But notice, I believe we can use it to help us in the home. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to what? Slow to and slow to what? Well, did you, did you get that? Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know what God's telling us to do? Listen. He's telling us to primarily listen. See, it sounds to me like if, if there's an option between listening, speaking, or getting angry, he says, just listen. And by the way, it seems to me that in most cases, we're either listening, speaking, or getting ticked off. Now, I just want you to know that the Bible teaches us then that we need to be swift to hear. That ought to be our first response to listen. First response to listen. First response to listen. And yet I believe that in most cases, and unfortunately in most homes, that's not the first response. I'm not convinced that people listen to each other at all in most cases. I mean, there are so many studies out that talk about how moms and dads, especially dads, spend so little time with their children and how many mothers today are in the same boat as a result of working outside the home and so forth. We, don't, we have homes today where no one communicates, no one talks to each other. The only time we interact is when there's a problem or there's an issue that has to be dealt with because it's inconveniencing us. We're tied and glued to our television sets and we're glued to our, our phones and we're glued to our computer screens and the social media of today, we are rarely listening to one another inside the home. And there cannot be a happy home unless we are listening. Stephen Covey 
a writer of a number of relationship books said, most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And that's so true in my own life. I mean, we don't really listen to understand. We listen to reply. I mean, think about the last conversation you were in with somebody, maybe at a door, possibly at work, or even in the home, or with a wife, or a family member, or a friend, and think about how you really listen. If you really think about it, you're listening because you want to know how to respond. You're not really listening because you just want to listen and hear what they're saying. Think about that. I believe that Stephen Covey's correct. Years ago, there was a man who was, and he was a, a geologist. He happened to be walking through a flea market one day. He saw a guy sitting at a table selling rocks. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm old enough to remember when they had a pet rock they sold. That was a long time ago. There were some assorted gems on the table, some basic rocks, and, you know, the kind geologists might collect. And then there was this one big ugly rock that could only be considered weird and unusual. Many people picked it up along the way. They'd pick it up, look it over, and then they'd just set it back down. It was unusual, extremely unusual. And what was amazing, the guy was asking 10 bucks for this thing. And obviously, that was just too much for this big, ugly rock. So the geologist, he moseys on over there, and he begins to look at the table and notice the different rocks on the table, and he knew immediately what that big, ugly rock was. He said nothing, of course. He began to negotiate the price, and he got the gentleman down to $5. And he extremely happily walked out of that flea market away from that table, and it turned out that big ugly rock turned out to be the largest blue sapphire in history, worth five million dollars. It's a true story. Five million dollars. Now, I don't know why Mark wasn't at that flea market. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, though, five million dollars. So what's the, the moral of the story? I don't know. We could make a million different morals of this story, but I guess here's the, the moral that I want you to understand. Yeah, yeah, if you got rocks for brains, you're okay. But anyway, um, the moral of the story is really, you know, I, I look at this in relation to what we're talking about. You know what? You're surrounded by people that are jewels, but often we fail to see their worth. Rarely do we see their worth. You know, those around us, our spouses, our children, our loved ones, we often fail to see their value. And why do we fail to uncover their true value? I'll tell you why. Because we don't listen to them. We never really hear their heart and we never uncover their true selves. We don't listen to people. We take for granted so many things. And unfortunately, we take for granted so many people. Listen. If you want a happy home, you're going to have to listen to your spouse. You're going to have to listen to your children. 
I didn't say you have to obey your children and say you have to do what they tell you to do. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. But you do need to listen to them. Why? Because you cannot understand them unless you listen. Number three, you want a happy home, you have to learn. You must learn. And we talked about listening, and that's a big part of learning, isn't it? But you have to learn. So listening and observing are essential to learning. Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. So we have to love. It's foundational. It has to be love in the home. We have to be listening. But also we have to be learning if we want a happy home. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to what? Knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Notice again, dwell with them according to knowledge. You want a happy home, gentlemen, you better learn. You got to learn. You know, if you want your prayers answered, you have to learn. I'm not talking about learn how to pray. I'm talking about you need to know your wife, and there has to be a connection. There has to be a, a, a relationship there. You have to learn her. You have to know her. And may I say that we, we need to learn about our children. We need to know their hearts. I mean, what makes them tick? What are their loves, their likes? What are their, their dislikes? What, 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 what is it that, that, you know, pushes their buttons? What gets them excited? What makes them fired up, you know, about things? I mean, what do they need in their life? What do they, um, what, what do they care less about? I mean, there's so many things like that. You can never hope to meet the needs of others until you've learned enough about them to know their needs. You know, and we'll say, well, it's my job to meet the needs of my family. So what do you know about your family? Well, I know my kids go to school every day and they come home and they sit at the kitchen table and they eat and then they go to their rooms or they go watch television or they go play outside or they go do this. Okay, what do you know about your kids? What do you really know about them? I mean, is, are any of them interested in a girl or a boy? Are any of them interested in uh, what, what are they reading in their Bible? What do they, uh, what do they love about God? What are, what, what are they struggling with in their relationship with the Lord? I mean, are they dealing with standards as uh, issues in their life? I mean, what's going on in their heads? What are they thinking? Same with your wife or husband. I mean, how many times has someone sat in shock or horror to learn something about their wife, husband, or child that completely caught them off guard? Completely caught them off guard. And you know, how many times have you heard somebody say, well, man, I just didn't see that coming, man. They blindsided me. And if they would take the time, to, if they could really get an honest answer from others around them that were close, if people were really honest, you know, not kind, but really honest, they would say things like, well, I didn't know 
he or she would say or do that, but I saw some signs. But you know what? That people won't be that honest with you. Sadly enough, can I say something? If you're a dad or a mom, would you please be honest with your children about people that they're hanging around or a boy or girl they're thinking about liking? Would you please be honest and man up? Would you just tell them, I don't like it, I don't agree, and I won't permit it? Would somebody please be a man, somebody please be a mom, and a woman in the home? Your children need your guidance. They don't need your friendship. But you know what, you can't know, well, yeah, but you know, I don't want to crush them and they'll just go off and do whatever I tell them not to do anyway. <laughs> whatever. <coughs> you know what the problem is? You really don't know your kids. See, if you really knew your kids, you could talk to them. You could discuss those things. Oh, they might not like it. They may take it a little bit funny at the end. But let me tell you something, that they'll, they'll still appreciate it because they'll know you do love them and you do care. The problem is there's love missing in homes too often. There's no listening going on, and as a result, there's no learning taking place. And then we get blindsided and we go, I can't even believe she did that. I can't believe he did that. How'd that ever happen? I never saw it coming. You know why? You weren't listening and you weren't learning. Now, there's no doubt that every once in a while, people are just that good at hiding things. I, I'll admit that that could happen. But too often we excuse our lack of observation as inescapable. I just couldn't escape it. It just happened. I don't know what happened. And a mom or a dad sat around watching something go down and didn't say something. Or a friend or family member didn't have the guts to be a friend as iron sharpeneth iron. Or faith for the wounds of a friend. And we allow ourselves to be blinded because of activity and so many other things going on in our life. And we just close the world out. Do you know, watching a ball game with your kids is a wonderful thing, but that's not getting to know them. Watching a movie on family night is a wonderful thing, and you can laugh and have a good time, but you're not getting to know them. You don't really learn what music they really love. You really don't know what kind of boys and girls they really like. and You don't really know what their heart and intent is sincerely. You don't really know whether they really like church or they just go because they want to appease you. You don't have a clue whether they really read their Bible or not. You just hope all that's okay if you don't know them. You've got to take time. You've got to take time not only to love but to listen and to learn. And, and you, can, you can only do so much. I understand that. But, boy, there's so many times we can see things if we would just only listen and we would simply observe. There has to be learning going on. Plus, you've got to know people for them to be happy. I mean, how is it that... It, no wonder husbands and wives... They, we don't have relationships with one another today. It, we, we, we meet each other's needs in one sense because we simply say, well, I'll put a roof over your head, you simply take care of the kids, and everybody's happy. No, they're not always happy. That's not what makes people happy, simply performing. Relationships make things happy. People without relationships are unhappy. 
Do you realize the most important need in your life is relationships? That little boy figured it out. You can give me all the things I need, but what I really need is love. And love demonstrates itself when we're listening to someone and when we're learning about them and when they so matter to us that we sincerely want to get to know them. Take steps to learn about your spouse and your children and those in your home. Don't allow yourself to fly on autopilot. Keep your eyes and ears open. Please keep them open. Number four. So we're talking about having a happy home and just some basic thoughts. We must love. We must listen. We must learn. Number four, we must laugh. We must laugh. The spirit in your home is more important than the activity. What I mean by that is, <clears throat> all right, kids, get ready. We're going to church. I don't hear no back talk. Just get ready. You know where we end up. We go to church every Sunday. I don't want to hear it. Now, listen, that, that may be funny, and to some degree it is somewhat humorous, but let me tell you something. I'm not so convinced it's not more like that than it should be. Why do we have to go to church? Well, first of all, that's not an end. That's not a question we ask around the house. We understand that. But hold on. When a child thinks he can ask that question, we obviously don't know him too well. And he don't know us too well. There's some things we've got to work out there already. But when it's just, you know, that's just what we do. Wow, that's a good spirit. That's great. That's great. You know, we can be guilty of enforcing biblical standards without demonstrating the joy of the Lord. And you know what? That is going to destroy your home. There's no, there's no happiness. There's no joy in that. Now, listen, I, I, I don't I, I want to tell you something. I, in my home now, again, you know, my kids are going to grow up. They're going to do what they do. But when they're in my home, there's a standard there. And that's what we do. We just do what I do. We do what my wife does. We don't do what the kids want to do, and we don't try to worry about losing our kids. We worried about being what God wanted us to be. If we're what God wanted us to be, then at least I could live with myself. I could put my head on the pillow at night and know I did all I could to do or to turn out that child the best I could. I I have no control. They're going to walk out the door and boom, they're going to do what they do. I understand all that, but while they're there, they're going to adopt my standard. They're going to follow my, my, my rules. They're going to do what I want them to do. And here's the thing. If my spirit stinks, if I got an attitude toward things, I'm about sick up to here with this whole thing about women in dresses and pants. Let me tell you why I'm sick of it. Because the very people, it seems to me, that wear the dress, and I believe a woman ought to look like a lady. I believe it with all my heart. I believe ladies ought to wear dresses. I'm just going to tell you flat out, I don't apologize for it. Let me tell you something. When you get a lady who's taking and wearing a dress because it's a standard and it's just what she has to do, it's her duty, she makes everybody miserable around her. Because then what she does is she's like, well, we got to wear our dresses and you have to wear a dress too. If you don't wear a dress, you're not right with God. Wow, what a spirit that is. That's a wonderful spirit to have. I thought you had a personal, you should have a personal standard. What's wrong with your heart? I mean, you're so miserable, you want everybody else to be miserable with you? And that's exactly what that is. 
Like, yeah, you're not right with God. If you don't. Listen, I know a lot of ladies that have wore pants in the past that I'm not going to sit and say they're not right with God now. I, I'm going to be careful with that one. I'm going to let God do his business. I'm going to let him work his work. But in my home, my children had no say in how that went. No way. What they do on their own, that's their business. But not in my home. Now, listen, I, I'm saying there has to be a good spirit. I mean, a good spirit toward the Lord, a good spirit toward a husband and wife. How many times do children watch us fight and argue and bicker and complain and tear one another down in homes? I mean, if you're in a habit of arguing with your wife, your spouse, if you're constantly bickering and whining and picking and digging and hurting, and I'm going to tell you something, your children see that, they hear that, and it affects the happiness of the home. It breeds insecurity in your children. Your child can't be happy when they're worried mom and dad are going to split up. It's, not, it's impossible. <clears throat> You've got to laugh a little bit. You just got to have a good time. You just got to let her just be yourself a little bit. Be a child. I, I raised my kids to never grow up. And some of you go, some of you go, yeah, I can tell. <clears throat> let me tell you something. Go ahead, be a stick in the mud if you want. But I don't want my children to grow up being boring. I don't want growing up thinking God's a bummer. I wanted them to have ha- happiness and joy. I wanted to think that being in church was great. I wanted to think that serving the Lord was wonderful. I wanted to think that being at home with mom and dad is great and going to grandma and grandpa's house is the best. When my kids turned 15, 16, 17. Listen, I didn't have to beat them to get them to go to grandma's and grandpa's. They went because they wanted to. We taught them to have a good time wherever you're at. And we had a good time, and they did. And I'm telling you, you've got to laugh together. Do stupid stuff. Act like a fool. You know what I mean? Just have some fun with your kids. And laugh with your spouse. I mean, can you have you ever laughed at yourself? You did something stupid? You know what our first response is? Oh, shut up. That's stupid. Quit laughing at me. Have you ever thought how dumb you really looked? If you were watching it, you would laugh too. And you just got to learn to laugh a little bit. There needs to be some laughter in the home. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the Bible says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the, our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You want a strong home? You have to have joy in it. That means there ought to be some laughter. If there's no laughter in your home, you have a weak home. Your kids ought to feel free to be themselves. I never had a problem coming home to hearing kids laughing. I did not want to come home and hear them fighting, complaining, whining, crying, but I wanted to hear them laughing, having a good time. I was okay with that. Destroy the house. I don't care as long as Sherry cleans it up. But, but I wanted to hear the kids having a good time. I wanted them having a good time. And I joined right in. You know, I mean, some of that junk, you guys are like, yeah, he's crazy at VBS. He's nuts at VBS. Dressing up like those characters and doing stupid stuff. Guess what? I'm stupid all the time. I do dumb stuff at home constantly. That's what I do. I'm just a big kid in a body that's bigger than a kid. I'm literally, what's that, the uh, colossal kid. <clears throat> that's me. 
Now listen, I know we get, you know, well, we're just too old to laugh. We're just too old to have a good time. You're never too old to laugh. And if you want a happy home, there's got to be laughter in your home. It's a merry medicine. It's, it's good for you. The Bible says a merry heart do a good like a medicine. I mean, it's, it's like a medicine. Studies on laughter have shown so many things. First of all, a good hearty laugh relieves physical tension and stress, leaving your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes. That's crazy. It says laughter boosts the immune system. It decreases stress hormones and increases the immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies. It improves the resistance to disease. And these are studies that have been done. Laughter triggers the release of endorphins, and that's the body's natural feel-good chemical. Endorphins promote an overall sense of well-being and can even temporarily relieve pain. It protects the heart. It improves the function, uh, the function of blood vessels and increases blood flow, it, which can help protect you against heart attack and other cardiovascular problems. I mean, this is laughter we're talking about. Do you think God knew what he was talking about when he simply said there in Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine? Amen. Then we've got to learn to laugh a little bit. Enjoy yourself. Have some fun. And boy, let me tell you what, your kids will appreciate that in you. They won't look down on you. They won't think less of you. As a matter of fact, they'll identify with you even more so. God, just have a good time. And I know everybody's not the same, and there's some people who are a little more serious than others. But let me tell you something. I don't care how serious you are here in public. You better, you better, you better just take off the mask. You better take off the gloves. You better just have a good time with your kids when you're in private. Let them see you. Let them see you be a big kid sometimes. And have some fun. Laugh it, laugh it up. Have a good time. I, I'm telling you, someone says, well, I don't think you need that for a happy home. That's all right. I don't care how successful you are raising your kids. I promise you that any kid that was raised in a home wants a home of laughter. And I promise you there's a wife that wants to laugh. Do you realize that a lot of women marry men because they simply make them laugh? And all you have to do is look in the mirror, gentlemen, you'll know what I mean. <clears throat> <laughs> Anyway, all right, well, anyway, moving on. Now, <laughs> finally, last but not least, last but not least, of course, live. You know what? I mean, if we're going to have a happy home, we've got to love. We need to listen. We've got to learn. And we need to laugh. But also, we just need to live. He said, what do you mean? Well, in our homes, there needs to be an expression or a general overall sense of just loving life. He just had a love life. Now, bad things happen to everybody. I understand that. But there are some people that just wear it on their face. And there's others that just seem to go through it and just live life. You know what? In our homes, we have to live. You know one of the things that hurts a marriage more than anything else in the world? Is when a couple has lost a child. You know what What happens? They lose the will to live. The unfortunate thing is they have a bunch, they may have other children in the home or a spouse in the home that still wants to. And it'll destroy their marriage and wreck their home. Because they can't get past the loss. They can't live. You've got to live. And there's going to be problems in your home, possibly. You may have issues with a wife or a spouse. You may have issues with a teenager or a young person. I don't know, but let me tell you, you still got to live. And 
Can I tell you that that sense of loving life really demands that we live on purpose with purpose? Sadly, many of our goals and tasks have nothing to do with the higher purpose in life that God has for us. We do so many things that no way help us reach that purpose that God has for us. I mean, you can have some current goals in your life. You can have certain tasks in your life, and you can have them in place for 10, 20, 30 years, only to realize down the road that it's not really what you really wanted in the end, that it didn't produce what you thought it would. You need a biblical purpose. Once again, Stephen Covey, he said it this way. He said, if the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. And may I say that sometimes in our homes, if we're not careful as leaders, husbands and wives, we're, we're not headed in the right direction. We have not discovered the real purpose for our existence. And as a result, we are running to something else other than that. And what happens is, is 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, we sit in a home feeling empty and as though we wasted years. That's right. We've climbed up the ladder, but it was on the wrong wall and we only grew further away. And I say, if you are in a position where you can still affect that, you better understand what God's purpose for your life is, what God's purpose for your home is. And if you can grasp that, you can get a hold of it, then guess what? You're going to end up in the right place. You'll be all right. So what do you have to do then? Well, you have to ardently surrender. Ardently. I mean, you have to just be excited. You have to be fired up about surrendering to the Lord. What's he saying in Romans? You know, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your body a living sacrifice. He goes on to say it's your reasonable service. Man, you ought to be fired up about that in your home. That ought to be a major theme in your home, surrendering, yieldedness to the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought to be something that every child looks at and says, man, mom and dad are just given, yielded to the Lord. They're just surrendered to Christ. They're just given to the, to the Lord Jesus. Man, and that ought to be something that they want to do. They're going to please mom and dad. They know that's what mom and dad love. That's what we need to love. You say, well, that's, I don't, you know, they have to make their own decision. That's right. And so you're going to be an Ohio State fan, and guess what you do the first time they're old enough to watch the game? You put an Ohio State hat on them. You give them an Ohio State shirt. And you say, we love Ohio State. And they grow up and say, what? I love Ohio State. Well, why don't we do that with our children when it comes to surrendering to the Lord? I love being surrendered to Christ. I love that Jesus Christ is head of the home. We love Jesus. He's wonderful here. It's the best. Kids grow up going, wow, we need to surrender to Jesus. We need to yield ourselves to Christ. That's a good thing. Then actively serve. Actively serve. We know that Jesus Christ came to serve, and that's what we ought to be doing. Man, as a family, you, you got to understand that's part of your purpose for existing. God didn't put you together so you could enjoy one another just stuck and snuggled together as a couple forever. Oh, enjoying eternal bliss. No, he puts you together to serve him. Because obviously, somehow, some way, he believed that you could be more effective for him together than you are apart. 
But how many times have we watched people give up God for a spouse? Yet they don't understand their God-given purpose. They don't know why God even put them together. They'll say, God put us together. Well, why did he do that? So we could love one another. No, that's not why. So we could enjoy life together and go through hard times together and never have to be alone. No, that's not why. He put you together so that you could more effectively serve Him. Amen. That's why you're together. Amen. You better get that figured out or your children will grow up not to understand that they were put on earth to what? Serve Him. And when they go out into the world to serve the world and self, will go, I don't get it. What happened? Why are we so unhappy right now? Because we did not live for Him. Finally, aggressively stand. Never let down the banner. Never drop the standards. Never change your course or your path. Never give up on God. Always take a strong... Never yield to things that the Bible says are wrong. Don't do that. Just because our culture changes, because society changes, you stay strong to this. You hold to the standard, God-given standard. Just, just stand firm. Be aggressively standing for Him. And if you'll do those things in your home, you'll be, you'll be living for God and you'll be surrendered and serving and standing for Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what, a happy home needs a God-given purpose and that is why we exist as family. Five simple thoughts. A happy home. One, love. You must love. Two, we must listen. Three, we must learn. Four, we must laugh. And finally, we must live. And that living has to do with that purpose, God-given purpose. And fulfilling that God-given purpose in our home as we ardently surrender and actively serve and aggressively stand on behalf of Jesus Christ. So, happy home. Just some simple thoughts. And I hope that Maybe those who are a blessing or help to you a little bit. But if you got questions or you got concerns about that, you need to talk to your preacher. You need to do that. Don't wait till your wife's walking out the door. Don't wait till your husband says, Fine, I'll find someone else that'll love me. Don't wait till your children say, I don't want nothing to do with God. Let's deal with this thing. Let's find out what God said. Now listen, you you gotta be willing to do it his way though. I can't help you if you're not willing to do that. I, I don't have the answers for you. I, I don't know how to raise a child compromising the Word of God. I, I, that's not how I did it, so I can't help you with that. I, I did the best I could to follow this book. Was I perfect? No. Will you be perfect at it? No. But I did the best I could to follow His Word. I didn't consciously neglect His Word in raising my children. I didn't consciously say, I don't care what that says in the Bible or the standard that's listed. I'm going to disregard it because I just don't agree with it. I never did that consciously. I never did that consciously. Maybe I did and I didn't even know it. But I certainly didn't do it consciously. And I want to encourage you to never consciously disregard God's Word in any way in your home or family or how you raise your children. Amen. And do it with the right spirit and the right love. And if you possess the right spirit and the right attitude and all of it, you'll be amazed. Your children will not resent you. They won't resent God, and they won't resent the church. They really won't. It'll be okay. Father, we come.